0: What is up Westside and hello to those of you who watch this online. My name is Adam and it's my joy to be your senior pastor. This week things look a little bit different. We're celebrating the end of an awesome week of Vacation Bible School with our theme Power Up. So I'm preaching with a little Space Invaders, a little Pac-Man and I feel right at home. You know this week the Emmy nominations came out and those are in preparation for the awards in September of the most celebrated television shows. Now, some of us are old enough to remember when we only had like two or three channels. And others of us are old enough to remember when we only had like one or two streaming services to choose from. It's interesting, when you look at the data of these streaming services, most of the shows that are most watched aren't the new things coming out. It's not the new content. People are watching their old favorites, in fact, Disney Plus is banking on this. This is a service coming out later this fall, and, and their whole business model is predicated on the idea that you and I will pay $7 a month to watch a lot of movies that we already love. There's some beloved stories that, that we tend to just come back to over and over again. And I was raised on Disney films, things like Aladdin and Sword of the Stone and, and Toy Story and, and The Little Mermaid. These are classics. And they each kind of have like their, their moral of the story, right? In Aladdin, the genie tells the main character to be yourself. And, and we see that not even three wishes can change who you are. In Sword in the Stone, a, a young squire challenges everyone's concept of what it takes to be king. And in Toy Story, it's a story about companionship and, and materialism and, and what makes a true friend. And the little mermaid reminds us that in no situation is a seashell bra appropriate. (laughs) The stories we love, the ones we want to watch over and over again, the things uh, we read to our children, the things that speak to us, that, that ring true. Great stories speak to us in a unique way. Stories bring life to truth. Jesus, who among other things, called himself the way and the truth, was a master storyteller and in our series have you heard this one we're going to be focusing on these great stories these parables that Jesus tells in the same way a child can watch a movie and and get the point Jesus tells us these stories in a a way that we can understand more about him and his mission and the nature of God and it reveals his deep humanity. I love this quote from a book called The Parables, Understanding the Stories Jesus Told by Nick Kistemaker. He said, the parables show that Jesus was fully acquainted with human life in its multiple ways and means. Because of his acquaintance with the broad expanse of human life, Jesus was able to minister to people of all social strata. He spoke the language of the people and taught them at their own level. Jesus used parables to make his message accessible to the people, to teach the crowds the word of God, to call his listeners to repentance and faith, to challenge the believers to put words into deeds, and to admonish his followers to watchfulness. The stories of Jesus remind us that Jesus came to us in the form of a person, that he was like us, and he told stories that we can understand. So for the next month or so, we're gonna be looking at these stories. And, and for me, one of the fun parts of preaching is sometimes you get to pick some of your favorites. And so I thought, what better way to kick off this series than to start with one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, one of my favorite parables. It's the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story about love and forgiveness. It's a story about family. And it's a story that Jesus tells to illustrate the character of God. So we're gonna be reading from Luke chapter 15. When I was in high school, uh, I found myself joking with my dad. He had recently found out that his life insurance had peaked, and we joked that if I was going to have him whacked for the insurance money, now was the most opportune time for the biggest payout. And if you think that's a little morbid for a high schooler and their parent to joke about, well, that's how this story starts. Imagine one of your children coming to you and saying, you know. I don't actually wanna wait around for you to croak to get what's coming to me. I'd just like to go ahead and get that now. That's what we see in Luke 15, starting in verse 11. To illustrate, illustrate his point further, Jesus told them this story. Them is the group of Pharisees that he was addressing. The Pharisees were a very strict kind of elite a group within Judaism. A man had two sons, The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So I imagine the father kind of thinking it over and he cuts the check. The son gets what he wanted. And so the kid takes off for what Jesus describes as far off country. I imagine it as a place with like really lax marijuana laws or something. Let's, let's read what the kid decides to do, what the younger son does with his newly gained inheritance. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. This is where we get the term prodigal. Now, it's an older word, according to dictionary.com, that's defined as wastefully or recklessly extravagant. The son blew all his money And now the younger had gotten his wish, right? He had escaped his tame upbringing, he had achieved financial independence, and we're going to see just what he did with it and see how that's working out for him. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So to me, the operative word here is home. There was something that the father had instilled in his son that when all else was lost, He still was able to cling to. It lasted longer than money, it meant more to him than partying, and it remained when everything else was lost. So the repentant son has come to his senses. He even has a speech ready. Let's see how the father reacts, and this may be my, my single favorite most verse in the Bible. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So we hear about the concept of home again, the place the younger son knew he could return. Now, what does it say about the father that he saw his son from a long way off? It says that he was still looking for him, that he haven't, hadn't given up. This communicates to us so much about the character of God. The son knew he could return home because he had been given a foundation of love and forgiveness. And so here's the big moment. Here's here's the, the embrace with father and son, and it's time for the younger son to give the big speech. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So when the father greets the son from a long way off, he doesn't even let him finish the speech. All the son wanted was a part-time job, but the father throws him a party. And I think we would have understood and still thought pretty highly of the father if he would have said, you know, let's go inside and we'll talk about how to make this right later. But that's not what he does. The father was, was gracious. It, to him, uh, wasting time with, with apologies or with explanations uh, was not the order of the day. He received his son back and he wanted to give the, him all these signs of welcome and acceptance upon his return. The father didn't have a score to settle. He didn't give him a lecture or ask for an explanation. This is exactly what the father had been hoping for each and every day, still looking for his son from a long way off. And so the father has all the gear ready. He gives him a robe, a sign of honor. The father doesn't hold out on his son, but he restores him to full sonship. When it says, put a ring on his finger... In the first century, that ring very well could have contained the family crest. And it was a sign of authority. You can think of it almost like power of attorney. And finally, the son trades his tattered shoes of a servant for the fine shoes of a son. And the same feet that carried the younger son off to doom are now clothed in the finest that the father has to offer. Now, not only this, but the father immediately wants to share his joy. So he throws a barbecue, and he tells the servants to make all the preparations, and things are great until we come across this fateful word, meanwhile. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. So here we have a much different response to the younger brother's return. The father threw a party, and the older brother throws a fit. What is your response to people who have been far from God? When they want to come back home, how do you react? I don't have a lot of patience for older brother church. And I don't believe Jesus did either. In fact, Jesus in Luke 15 tells these three stories that concludes with the prodigal son about things that were lost and had been found. And they all end with a party. And he told this in response to Pharisees, these very critical adversaries of Jesus, who said of him, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. there's a lot of different responses when people want to come back home to God. And the older brother answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Woo! So now the older brother's cards are on the table few things to notice here the younger son had had distanced himself from the family literally by going to a long way off the older son has distanced himself from the family relationally through his resentment the phrase this son of yours he didn't say this brother of mine he said this son of yours and nobody said anything about wild living until the older brother brings it up He can't even be happy for his younger brother's return. Because as it turns out, the older brother wanted the same thing from the father as the younger brother. He wants his stuff. He's only in relationship with the father for what's in it for him. And the father continues to plead with his eldest son. Verse 31 and 32, here's how the story ends. My son, the father said, you are always with me And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So this story is is usually referred to as the prodigal son because of the way the younger son extravagantly spent his money. But really, I think it should be called the prodigal father because of the extravagant love that the father displays to both his younger and older son. The father invites both of the children back into relationship. One disobeyed him in leaving, while one resented him while he stayed. But the father offers both love and forgiveness. My senior year, it was prom time, 2002. Senior year of high school. And I thought I was hot stuff because my prom date was on the Pom Squad. That was a big deal in my day. And uh, at that time, the previous year, my parents had gotten a divorce, so it was just me and my dad. And so I was trying to explain to my dad and, and rally and advocate for approval of my post-prom plans. In the Southeast Missouri, in Cape Girardeau, where I went to high school, uh, this party was gonna be in a cornfield where many social functions were held. And I remember my dad telling me, well, son, I trust your judgment. I don't think you'll do anything stupid, but I think you're going to regret going. And I was like, so that means I can go, right? So he let me go to far off cornfield. So I go. And again, I thought I I was the man because I was going to be at the spot. So prom party happens. And uh, as it turns out, I forgot to bring a change of shoes so as you can imagine, the cornfield gets a little bit muddy and I still had my rental loafers on. And uh, the party suddenly took a turn when my prom date ditched me for a Southeast Missouri State cheerleader named Haas. Yes. So I found myself at three in the morning in a cornfield that, it, it, by, by the bright moonlight, my muddy shoes that were rentals being illuminated, having just said no to my third offer of drugs, wondering why anyone would name their self Hoss, and wondering why I thought any of this was a good idea in the first place. By the way, my friends have kind of given a term to this. If, if, if you ever experienced betrayal or, or a deep hurt, then you've been Hossed. <laughs> I hate this story. My dad loves this story. When I came home, my dad embodied the father that Jesus described. In my shame, I could have been met with a lecture, but instead I was offered love and forgiveness. Friends, I believe this is essential to our faith and that's why Jesus told us this story. Our church must be a place of love and forgiveness. Maybe you can identify with the older brother Maybe you and, you've been doing this faith thing a while and, and you find it hard to understand why some people just have, have such a difficult time being as obedient as you do. Or maybe you find yourself identifying with the younger brother and, and, and you've recently come to your senses and you're new to faith and, and you wanna come back home and you wanna be accepted by God and you wanna grow. Wherever we find ourselves, Younger brothers, older brothers, we are called to be like the heavenly father. We are called to offer everyone love and forgiveness, to love other people as God has loved us, to offer every sinner the same love and forgiveness that any loving parent will will offer their child. That is our call. We are called to give everyone the same love and forgiveness that God has given us.